Okay, what I want you to do this morning, um, take out your, your flyer that's in your bulletin, it, your notes. If you're, uh, some of you use this to take notes and that's great if you do that. Some of you use this to write notes and that's okay if it's about the sermon. Some of you use it to play tic-tac-toe and what, so, but you can take that out and you can do one of two things with it this morning. You can jot some stuff down this morning that I say if you want to. Or you might just hold it and put it at the back of the church on your way out because I'm not doing any of this. This is actually going to be next week. This this doesn't happen often, but I I actually had my outline from our sermon printed this off earlier in the week, and and I started working on my sermon and getting serious with it, and uh, it went a whole different direction. And uh, uh, so today is just the introduction to that. So. So if you don't write on it, if you want to set it on the back table, that'll save us having to print some more next week. But maybe there's something I'll say today that you want to jot down so you can certainly use it for that or or make your grocery list or whatever else you need to do. It was, golly, it's been probably 15, 20 years ago, Reed and I and the boys uh, went to a Royals game. We pulled into the parking lot, and in fact, they, they had to be longer ago than that because they were little. And, and I got out of the car and, and opened the back door to get one of them out of the car seat or do something, and I... I distinctly heard my name, Tim, and uh, I, I lifted up, and it was kind of coming, sound like the car next to me, and I turned around and looked, and there was no one there, and you know, every once in a while, particularly the older I get, I'll hear, Rita and I do this all the time, what would you say? I didn't say anything, uh, and so, so I'm like, oh, I, you know, Something just sounded like Tim, or maybe it came from way across the parking lot. And I, so, so I turned around and continued to do what I was doing with one of the kids, and then I heard it again, Tim. And I stood up, and I turned around, and again, there was no one there. And I thought, man, I am going batty. And, and so I, I went back again, and, and a third time, I said, this time a little louder, Tim. And I turned around. This time, I, I didn't just look to where I thought it was coming. But I scanned all around. And I still didn't see anyone. I was just starting to turn back and, 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 uh, to, to one of the kids when I heard it again. This time I turned around and standing on, uh, on, uh, beside the car next to me, on the other side of the car was Robin Sigers. Robin Sigers was, was an old college classmate of mine. Uh, a, uh, he was a senior when I was a freshman. We played baseball together at Ozark and, and he was standing there just kind of looking at me like, are you blind? I've been saying your name now. Now, I kind of think he must have been saying Tim and then hiding from me, but, but he acted like he was standing there the, the whole time. So, wow, right there, and, and I couldn't see him. I, I saying my name, but I wasn't catching on. On the night that, uh, Jesus was betrayed, um, we, we read that from, uh, a little bit earlier from 1 Corinthians, uh, some of the stuff that happened on that night. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, there was a, a a moment where Jesus spoke some plain truth. In fact, Jesus had heard had heard that, or Jesus had spoken some of this stuff before. And even though he spoke it plain, even though he he really wasn't uh, he he wasn't confusing about the way he said it, his disciples they heard the words. They must have looked at him. They must have saw his lips moving, but. But man, they did not get it. They did not understand. The, the last time it happened is here in, in the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at that today, and then obviously again next week, uh, we're going to look at that. But, but what we're really going to look at is what happened 
after this little encounter, we're going to talk about that encounter today, but we're going to see how Jesus lovingly, with compassion and understanding, transitioned this moment of confusion, transitioned this moment where where they were like, man, we're, we're not getting what you're saying. And and it had to be frustrating for Jesus. Jesus had to be had to be frustrated. Man, I'm just laying it out as plain as I can be, and you guys aren't figuring it out. But Jesus, Jesus lovingly with compassion took that moment and offered some transformational teaching. In in fact, this teaching that Jesus gives in response to their confusion and their lack of understanding provides us with a passage of scripture. There's one of the most comforting and promise-filled sections of Scripture uh, in, in all of the Bible, in all of the, the New Testament. If you have your Bibles, turn, turn with me to John chapter 14. We're actually going to start out in John chapter 13, but if you're in 14, you're going to find 13. We're going to read the last verses of chapter 13. Let me set this, let me set the scene first before we read uh, in, the, in the text. This was, this was at the Last Supper, so we just celebrated uh, the, the communion time, the, 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 the last supper, the, this was, this is when it happened. They were celebrating the Passover meal. This was the night that Jesus was going to be portrayed, uh, uh, portrayed, betrayed. Jesus was going to be betrayed and, and arrested and go through the trial process and crucified the next day. So this was all happening that night. Later that night, they would go to the garden and everything would appear to spiral out of control. I mean, everything would seem to fall apart, but in reality, it was God's plan. Judas, where we find ourselves here in John chapter 13 and 14, Judas had just left the room. Jesus had just pointed out to Judas, one of you is going to betray me, and, and he told Judas, hey, whatever you do, do, you know, do it quickly. And Judas had just got up and walked away. They didn't know why. They're like, well, is he going to go get some food? They had no idea what was going on, because again, they're kind of blind to stuff, and Judas had just left to go make his deal with the devil. Now, let me, let me pause here and make an observation. What you're going to find out today is I've got some observations. That is, is the reason we didn't, I'm not going to get to the sermon today because all these observations. Let me make an observation. Judas made a deal with the devil when he betrayed Jesus. But the devil used religious leaders. The Jewish leaders had for whatever reason, they'd taken their eyes off of God and his kingdom and it opened them up to become pawns of Satan. Let that sink in for a second. Judas made a deal with the devil, but the devil used religious people. Now, let me make a, like, let me make a, a comment. Let me, let me speak here to the church, but I'm going to leave some people out. So if you are, um, if you are a leader, so if you're a, a minister, if you're one of the pastors, uh, elder, deacon, deaconess, Sunday school teacher, if you're one of the leaders, you guys can just uh, daydream here for a second. You don't need to listen to this part. This is not for you. Let me speak to the, let me speak just to the, the, the rest of the church here this morning. Um, remember that Satan used leaders. Satan used leaders to facilitate his plan to kill Jesus. He used people that were in authority within the body. That's who he used to get to Jesus. So church, your job, your job is to keep us. Your job is to keep leadership accountable to following Jesus and always seeking 
kingdom work. Your job is to not blindly follow us. Well, the elders said, your, your job is not to, well, the preacher said that. Your job is not to just blindly follow us, but like those who in Berea did when they heard Paul speak to, to go and check scriptures to make sure that was right. You, you are supposed to, to watch us and make sure that we are leading from God's word and with God's kingdom in mind. Remember that Satan often uses church leadership. So make sure we're seeking Jesus and his kingdom and not our own agenda. Okay, church, you can take a break for just a second. You can just daydream here. Let me speak then to those guys who are just daydreaming there, the, the, the leaders here in our church. So uh, don't ever forget that Satan used church leaders to facilitate the arrest of Jesus. So we have to make sure that we don't get so distracted or lose our focus and become targets of Satan. You see, he would like nothing better than to bring down his church. Satan would love nothing better than to, to, to harm the, the church, and he often uses us to make that happen. So, so leaders, make sure you're seeking Jesus and his kingdom and his work and not your agenda. Okay, uh, uh, John chapter 13. Let's, let's look at a section. This is, uh, uh, this is after Judas has, has walked away. Uh, uh, let's look at verse 33. We'll take that on down to the end of the chapter. 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You, you will look for me, and just as I told you, just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Then, then Simon Peter, and we're going to talk about Peter today. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Lord, where are you going? Let me, let me pause here for a second. I, I think I may have mentioned this one other time in a sermon, but, but, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I really don't like it when people uh, post stuff on Facebook cryptically. So, so if you do this, uh, just know I don't like it. I understand maybe reasons, but if, but if you put on Facebook, I need prayers, and that's all you put on there, you know what everyone else is doing? What's going on? What's happening? We're all wondering that. We're all curious. But, but when that happens, what happens is people will respond, praying, hope, hope, hope you're okay. I'm here for you if you need me. Praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Except my twin sister, Mindy. I hope she's not watching. Uh, uh, my sister, Deb, in, in Texas, watches sometimes. So don't, Deb, don't tell her um, that I said this. But my twin sister, Mindy, will respond like this. What will she say, Rita? What's wrong? <laughs> she never says, I'm praying. She, What's going on? What's happening? No one ever responds and tells her. Because actually, Mindy asked the question I want to ask, but... Uh, so I get that impression when I read this. So Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but but you'll follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't we follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, uh, "You uh, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me. You will disown me three times. Let's uh, Let's see what Peter what was going on with Peter here? Peter was kind of having a bad day. Now we're gonna we're gonna actually talk some positive things about Peter, but Peter was kind of having a bad day, and it was only going to get get worse as we kind of went on. Early in chapter thirteen, 
when they, they arrived at the, the Last Supper, they, they sat down around the table, they began to have the meal, and, and Scripture tells us uh, that, uh, that Jesus, um, let me find the verse, uh, in verse 4, so if you want to go back and look at that, we may read that here in a little bit. In verse 4, it says that Jesus got up from the table, and he took off his outer cloak, and he took a towel and wrapped it around his waist, and he got a basin of water and began to wash his disciples' feet. We, we know that story. We, some of you probably have been, been, uh, had to endure one of those embarrassing foot washing services that we do in church because we don't really understand what Jesus was doing, and, and we think that's cool when, when really we're missing the point too, but, but, but that happened, and so Jesus is one by one going up and, and washing his disciples' feet, uh, and then, and then he came to Peter. Do you remember what Peter said? Anyone remember what Peter said? Come on, this is an easy one. Surely, come on, someone's being. What did Peter say when Jesus started to wash his feet? You don't have to get it word for word. You're not going to wash my feet. No way. No way. Now, now let's look at some church. We, now, now, first of all, Peter realizes a little bit too late, but, but you have to appreciate Peter's attitude here. You have to, you have to appreciate how, how Peter saw things. Now, now he's, he, he always tended to find a way to mess it up, but, but I have to appreciate that Peter realized something. He realized that Jesus was Jesus and that he was Peter. He realized that Jesus was, I don't know if he knew 100% he was divinity, but, but he, he knew he was special and he knew he was just a, a foul up fisherman from Galilee. Peter knew that Jesus was up here and he, and what he realized was it should have been reversed. I should be washing your feet, Jesus. I, I blew it. I didn't think of it, but there's no way you're going to wash my feet because you're Jesus and I'm just, I'm just Peter. Uh, church, we all need a healthy dose of humility like Peter had. We all need to, we all need to get ourselves in right perspective that Jesus is king and we're not. But allow me to, to, to suggest that at least let me, maybe instead of suggesting, let me confess this morning that oftentimes I don't live that way. Oftentimes I don't live like Jesus is king and I'm not. I, I live in such a way that the king of my life is not the king of king and the lords of Lord. Lord of Lords, but instead, I often live like I'm the king of my life. When, when I let willful sin control me, who's the king of my life? When I let sin reign in my life, then, then who am I making king? For those of us who have struggled with hidden sin in the past and those of us who may be struggling with hidden sin now, who's the king of your life? If you can't make it through a day without a hit of alcohol, who is the king of your life? If you're turning to pornography to escape into a world of fantasy, who's the king of your life? If you're addicted to shopping online and you live for the thrill of hitting that buy button or, or, or when, when FedEx or UPS drops off a package, then who's the king of your life? If the rush and thrill of gambling is your thing, you say it's just a night out to have a good time, but you know you've lost control, then who is the king of your life? Paul explains in Romans 6, 16, he says this, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? 
You are letting that person become the king, which really is making us the king. He goes on to say, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to, to righteousness. When I seek the world to fulfill me, when I turn to the world to give me definition of who I am in life, then who's the king? When, when I make my kids and their happiness, and their popularity, and their athletic prowess, their self-esteem, when I make that more important than them knowing who Jesus is and loving him, then who's the king? If I seek my happiness, my fulfillment, my pleasure, so much so that it pushes aside my my pursuit for God and his holiness, then who's the king? When I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me to change something in my life or to commit to something in the work of the kingdom or to step out on faith and trust Jesus' leading and I refuse to listen, then who is the king? John says later in his epistle of First John chapter 2, says, do not, verses 15 to 17, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for the for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but man, the man who does the will of God lives forever. When I put, when I put the, the world first, who's king? See, we need a, we need a healthy dose of Peter's humility. And, and even though we know how this story, we know he messes up here, you have to appreciate. You have to appreciate. He said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. You're Jesus. And I'm Peter. We also need a healthy dose of Jesus, Jesus' heart of service. As We don't know how many feet Jesus washed before he got to Peter. It might have been one. It might have been three. It might have been, it might have been 11. I don't know. But, but Peter was watching somewhat in horror. As that was going on, and, and I, I mean, with each with each one, Peter was probably getting his back up a little more. There's no way these guys shouldn't let Jesus. He, he probably was really he was he was getting uneasy, and and there was probably uneasiness in the room because because all the other guys knew it as well. They they just weren't as they weren't as bold as Peter to say something, but they they had to feel uncomfortable. So any of you that ever have been through a church foot washing service, when we do that, you know how you know how weird that is. Like I, I hate that. But that's really what they were feeling too. It's like, oh golly, this this shouldn't be that way. Uh, the, the 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 truth was probably when Peter spoke up, when P- Peter spoke up and and said, "Not my feet." Probably the other guys were like, "Oh man, I should have said that." But uh, but Jesus pointed something out. Jesus pointed something out uh, there in in chapter thirteen. If you have it open, look at verse fifteen. Uh, Jesus there says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you have, now that you know these things, you will be blessed when you do them. Remember I spoke earlier how Satan, Satan used church leadership. Well, you know what? Jesus does too. You know what? Jesus uses leadership as well. And let me speak to the church for a second. So leaders, you can kind of tune out for a second if you want to. Uh, let me speak to the church uh, here for a second. Church, what you should be seeing in your leadership 
is a heart of service like that of Jesus? Is, is your leadership washing feet? So it, are, are your, your, your pastors and your elders and your deacons and deaconesses and others in leadership, are they, and I don't mean literal here, but are they washing people's feet? Do you see them do, do you notice them, see a need, get up, wrap a towel around their waist, and get their hands dirty? That's what you should be seeing. On a day today where we vote on leadership, maybe this is, is pretty timely, you should be seeing us doing that. So, so you guys take a break. Let me speak to leadership now. I have a feeling you know where I'm going with this. I have a feeling you know what I'm going to say. Leaders, are we washing feet? Are we washing feet? We, we can read books on leadership. We can go to seminars on leadership. We can have a leadership retreat and spend hours talking about leadership. And all those are good things, by the way. But Jesus sums it up best here. Wash some feet. Jesus was, Jesus was going to the cross in mere hours. In mere hours after this, he would be nailed to the cross. And and at this hour, he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And when he was on the cross, he'd have the weight of our sin on his shoulders. And he washed feet. As they sat down, Jesus noticed, and it was a snafu, it was a, a gaff. I don't know who messed up. But, but someone should have washed their feet when they came in. There should have been a bowl and a servant, uh, the, the hostess or... Or one of the, someone should have been, as they walked in the room, they should have been washing off the, the dirt of the Roman roads. Just, it, it was a, a, an act of courtesy, but it was also, it, it gave a refreshing physically to have their dirty feet washed. And, and since they were sitting down to the most important spiritual religious meal of the year, the Passover meal, it, it had a sense of spiritual meaning as well. They were, they were cleansing their feet. They were, they were wiping off the dirt and getting themselves prepared spiritually to come in contact with, with God. And, and when Jesus noticed that no one had done it, he got up. One of the twelve should have done it, but they didn't. I, I, I don't know what was going on. Maybe, maybe they realized. I had a, I had a, have to believe that they realized that that this got missed. They had to be thinking, "Man, no one washed our feet." Every one of them could have could have got up and got a bowl and a towel. But I wonder if they were thinking, "I don't want to give up my place at the table." I was, I was thinking maybe maybe this has a lot of a lot of correlation to to what we see going on in Washington and in. Topeka in our state capitals. People don't want to give up their place of power. I think that was what's going on, particularly the one sitting close to Jesus. Like, I'm not going to get up and go get that bowl because someone might take my place. I'm right next to Jesus. If I get up and wash feet, then Peter's going to scoot over and I'm going to lose. I'm going to have to sit at the end of the line. I have to believe that some of them were thinking that they were more concerned. They were more concerned about holding on to their place of power and their place of authority and their place at the table than they were about coming before God cleansed both physically and spiritually. Leaders, we have to be willing to stand up from the church board table, 
board meeting table and wrap a towel around our waist and wash feet. We have to be willing to cast aside our, our title of elder or deacon, deaconesses, minister, whatever, and, and wash feet. When I was at, uh, when I pastored at Rushville, I, I went to a board meeting once with an idea. I, uh, I don't know where this idea came from, but I, I thought it was great. Turned out it was, it was a good, one of my rare good ideas. But I came to the board and I said, Hey, I got this plan. We are going to have a garage sale at the church. Have everyone in the church donate to it. And then we're just going to give stuff away. And it, man, it was cool. People would come in. How much for this? It's free. No, really. How much? No, it's free. What's the catch? It's free. We just want to bless you. We had these little cards made up that we'd, we'd hand out to people that said, uh, showing God's love in a practical way or something like that. We'd, and, uh, and I, people tried to give us money. We're like, no, no, we don't want your money. I, I think some people end up making donations somehow, but and it was interesting to see how people, some, some people like free, whoo, they just pack, you know, bag after bag. Let me go get the, the truck. And, but, uh, but others were like, Oh, I can only take a couple things. It's free. But, but, but with that, we also did a car wash. So as people pulled up to the big garage sale, we, we'd meet them as they got out of the car. Can we wash your car? And almost always like, no, no, it, but we're like, Hey, it's free. And then a lot of them would say no, but some were like, really? Yeah, we just want to do it. We want to show the, the love of Jesus in a practical way. Let's wash your car. And, and most people did. Some of them, we just, they didn't say yes. We washed it anyway and, and, and went about. But, but I remember going to my leadership, my elders and deacons and saying, hey, I got this idea. We're going to have this garage set. We're going to wash cars and we're going to get our hands dirty. And we're going to do this. And I'd love to tell you, that all the leaders jumped up like, yes, that sounds like a great idea. Man, but we can, we can get our hands dirty. We can wash some feet that day. Not literally, but we can wash some cars. That's going to be like washing feet. Man, that is a wonderful idea. I'm going to clear, when are we going to do this? I'm going to clear my calendar. I'm going to go home and get in my closet and get all the stuff I can bring to the garage sale. I'm going to go find my, my, my bucket and my sponges. This is going to be great. Wow, what a wonderful idea. I wish I could say that's what happened, but I'd be lying. Instead, I looked at, at about eight or ten guys staring back at me with a blank look on their face. Now, eventually, a couple of them were like, well, you know, that sounds like a good idea. I think that'll work. The day the event came along, and, and we had a ton of stuff donated. I mean, it, it, it was cool. We had, we had some, some really cool things donated, and, uh, and we washed a lot of cars. We had some people just dumbfounded that we would wash their car and not want anything for it. it it really God showed up in a big way but but you know who didn't show up in a big way was my my leadership now there 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 was a lot of other people that did and, and church let me make this last application with that and then we'll we'll move on we're about done here uh the th- this this is for leaders leaders we we have to wash feet that's that's what Jesus said leaders do you, who cares who you are, what your title is, you're not greater than, than anyone else. Get down and wash feet like I did. That's what Jesus said, and that's what we need to be doing. Uh, but it's also for all of us. That, that day was a, a, a roaring success because we had some people that hadn't been Christians for very long. We had some people that probably didn't know where Matthew was, it didn't know if it was in the New Testament or Old Testament. Um, they weren't very mature, but they said, serve? Hey, count me in. Uh, back, back to Peter. So, so we need to have the humility of Peter. We need to have 
his heart of understanding that's God and I'm Peter. We need to have the heart, a servant's heart of Jesus. Uh, but man, Peter, Peter just kind of, kind of had a rough day. Cause, cause then when he said, no, don't wash my feet, Peter kind of blew it and said, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, Peter, 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 your whole body doesn't need wash. It's just your feet. And so Peter had to sit down. I was like, Oh man, I blew that one, didn't I? Then, uh, then he comes up to this, the, the verses I read earlier, verses 33, and, and, and his response is, and he missed it again. What he should have been responding to is verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, you must love one another. By this all men will know you're my disciples. Man, that was, that was some cool stuff Jesus just said. Peter missed it. Where are you going, Jesus? Where did he go? And that's all he want to know is, hey, can I tag along? Because I know sometimes Peter and James and I, me and Peter and James, me and James and John, let me get it right. Keep wanting to say, we, we get to go with you too. And totally missed it. Totally missed Jesus saying, no, this is what it's about to, to love. Uh, and, and then to, to double down, he says, well, when Jesus says again, well, you can't go, uh, he's, I'll lay my life down for you, Jesus. I'll die for you, Jesus. And Jesus said, yeah, you will. But tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Peter wasn't having a very good day, but neither were the other disciples. Because Matthew and Mark tell us that when Peter said, hey, I'll lay my life down, Matthew and Mark says that all the other ones said the same thing. Yeah, Jesus, we're with you. No matter what happens, you can count on us. We're right behind you. And we know that all of them turned and ran from Jesus. So right on the hills, Johnny, you guys can come on up. So right on the hills of Peter and the other disciples putting their feet in their mouth, Jesus responds. Jesus could have rebuked them. Oh, you guys are such losers. He could have looked to heaven and said, God, why did you give me these 12? He he could have just ignored them. I'm just going on to something else because you guys aren't getting it. He could have abandoned them. You guys just stay here. I'm going to do this all by myself. But instead, knowing that in the in just a few hours their world would fall apart, knowing that in just a few hours they would fail miserably, in just a few hours their lives would be turned upside down, in just a few hours it would appear that their lives were hopeless, Jesus speaks to them. Let me, let me read John 14, 1 to 6. We'll look at it in depth next week. This is how he responds to their, their gaffe, their mess up. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This was speaking to, to them down the road. This was, this was for them to remember when they were back in Jerusalem fearing for their lives. This, this was for them to remember once Jesus had gone to heaven and the day of Pentecost had come and they were preaching the gospel and yet they found themselves in prison over and over again or beaten or, or fearing for their lives. This was so, so they'd remember that. This was when they stood before an executioner about to be martyred for the faith. This was for them then. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you be with me that you may also be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. He was just talking about that. But Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. 
we've established that. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When they were surrounded by the misery of their failure, they remembered, don't let your hearts be troubled. When they were uncertain about their future, they remembered, don't let your hearts be troubled. When they were discouraged by their sin, they remembered, don't let your hearts be troubled. When life didn't make much sense to them, they were reminded, don't let your hearts be troubled. When they couldn't feel Jesus' presence, don't let your hearts be troubled. When fear and despair crouched at their door, they remembered, as should we, don't let your hearts be troubled. Would you pray? Father, Jesus spoke such truth into the lives of the men that were, were his followers. They, they continued to, to miss what he was talking about, miss the importance of him washing their feet, miss, miss the fact that he had predicted his own death over and over again and was worried about things that didn't really amount to much. And yet Jesus was worried about them. And, and so he told them, don't be worried. Don't let your hearts, or let your hearts not be troubled. Father, we find ourselves in the same boat of the, as those disciples many, many times over. Lord, remind us. Remind us that Jesus speaks to us as well. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In Jesus' name.